This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you all this morning. Um, and as uh, some of you commented, I've been away for a little while. I've been helping out in different parts of the church, and I always appreciate coming back. So I was pleased when David invited me to speak this morning, and then I looked at the scripture, and I thought, huh, I need to be a little kinder to my boss. Uh, the first time I preached in New Heights, Michael invited me to preach, and I looked up the scripture, and it was on Abraham having to circumcise all his hired hands. And I had to explain to a room full of families with young children what circumcision means. So I think my streak on these uh, scriptures is getting worse, actually. But as Greg said, the story of Cain and Abel is a very well-known one, which many of you may be familiar with. It's a classic story. It's an intense story of struggle, of anger, of hatred, of violence, um, but it's often misunderstood. It's a difficult story and it can be pretty confusing uh, and I would say even dangerous and not dangerous because of the violence involved in it, but dangerous because if we mishandle the scriptures and come away with a misunderstanding of the nature of God, in my opinion, that is a very dangerous thing. There's two main things that I think most of our beliefs in life hang on as a foundation of how we live. The first one is who we believe God is, um, what his nature is, how he shows up in the world, how he holds himself out, and how he shows up. Uh, and this, in my opinion, is foundational to all. The second one is who we believe we are, uh, which uh, speaks to how we show up in the world and what we believe about ourselves and how we react and respond to things. Uh, the second one actually depends on the first, but if you look throughout history, humankind is constantly asking questions, in my opinion, around these two realities. Who is God and who are we? And uh, one of the best places to start is the beginning of the story, and that's where we are in Genesis. And chapter 4 is not very far in. So last week we're learning about chapter 3 and what is classically referred to as the fall, which David unpacked for us in deep ways. And this morning, we go a little deeper into these relationships and we start to see the reality of not just a vertical relationship with how we as humans interact with God, but a horizontal relationship of how we interact with other human beings. And I have some bad news for y'all this morning. It doesn't go so well. As I kept going through the scriptures this week, I kept going back to this reality that this is the first story of brothers in the Bible. Cain is the firstborn of all. He is literally the firstborn. Adam was created and Eve was created out of Adam, the story goes. And then we see Cain, the firstborn of all mankind. So of, co of course he would have this kind of uh, problem with perfectionism. Um, but we see this reality of how we interact with one another, portrayed in the story of Cain and Abel. And, and as you know, it's a difficult story. Um, I, I want us to handle this story carefully because where there are times in Scripture where things are not clear, if you are anything like me, you can tend to want to read things into the text that is not actually there so that you can create some certainty and clarity. 
And I would encourage us not to do that as hard as it is to live with uncertainty. Um, in my opinion, when there, there are times in the scripture where God is abundantly clear on things, like for instance, uh, God is love and loves all people. And then there are times in the scripture where God is kind of vague on stuff and he just glosses over it. Uh, it reminds me of biology class when I'd struggle to keep up. And sometimes the professor would talk about things day in and day out. And then sometimes she'd just gloss over things. And I came to discover as I got further along in school, the things she glossed over weren't that important. Um, but I'd encourage us that the things that God makes clear in the scriptures are things he really wants to emphasize. Uh, the other reality that we talk a lot about here is uh, context, context, context. Or as one of my professors put it, uh, location, location, location. If we read the story in the context of the rest of the scriptures, we will see certain themes highlighted time and time again. And that helps us confirm these in these stories. So just a few ground rules for how we're looking at this text, uh, which can sometimes be difficult. And I'll just highlight for us some things that I think this is not about. Um, I do not think this is a story about God being mad. Um, some people can take it that way and say, oh, uh, God likes Cain's offering, uh, Abel's offering and not Cain's, and so he gets mad at Cain and punishes him with this mark and exiles him. I, I don't read it that way. Um, some people think can read this story and say they both brought offerings and God is this capricious God that teaches us this learned helplessness because he likes Cain's offering and not Abel's. I don't read it that way either. Um, I think this is a story about humanity, about brotherhood, about how God has created us to live in and amongst and with one another and how so many times we can screw that up. Um, but the presence of God is always there. And like Greg said this morning, so rightly, the love of God is always there. And those themes we see throughout the scriptures. So let's dive in and look at what's going on in this morning's story. The story begins with the unpacking of the birth of Cain and Abel, and their mother celebrates because imagine this, this is the first child, as the story goes, that has ever been born. Um, life is something that is gifted to us, not just by God himself creating people, but now we as people take part and co-labor with God in this creation. So their mother is overjoyed and probably surprised as what has come from the union of Adam and Eve. And here we have Cain, and then we have Abel as well. Notice throughout Scripture all the different times we have a story of two siblings. And as the scholars point out, siblings don't do so well in the book of Genesis, especially the oldest siblings. So if this is a few things about what the story is not about, let me highlight a few things of what it is. I think this story tells us about life and reminds us that life is not always as we want it. Our first story of humanity, our first story of brotherly interaction, and we're dealing with disappointment, we're dealing with jealousy, 
we're dealing with anger and even violence. I am surprised at how I look at this and think, man, we're only in chapter four of this whole narrative and we've already screwed it up. And quickly, I begin to question God. God, what are you thinking allowing us to do this? Didn't you know that Cain would get frustrated with his brother? Didn't you know that Cain would be jealous? Didn't you know that we would want what others have? What is this irresponsible God doing? Why has he given us these opportunities to mess this whole thing up? If he wanted this to go well, why did he give us the option of these bad decisions? I pondered on this this week as I read through this text and these scriptures and saw what scholars said and how they thought through these things. But the reality of what God is reminding us with in this presentation of brotherly life is that God's presence and God's love requires freedom of choice. Without this freedom and even freedom to fail, we have no opportunity for love. Why didn't God intervene? Why doesn't God stop this from the beginning? Why does God even give us the opportunity to make these mistakes? Well, without it, we are a people without choice and with a choice, without choice of people without love. The story of Cain and Abel highlights several things, but for this morning I want to highlight this reality of freedom. This reality that God creates us with options, even bad options, even options he wouldn't want us to take, even options that are going to lead to our downfall. The God who has created all things and created life, one of the first responses of his creation is to take that life from someone else and he stands and he watches and he doesn't stop it. This tells me that this freedom of choice, this ability to choose and even choose wrongly is so crucial to this creation of God. It is better that we be able to go on outside of his will than not choose at all. The story highlights this reality that freedom comes with a cost. And I don't just mean the cost of Abel's life, I mean responsibility. To me, what Cain and Abel tells us about is that God is giving us the freedom, the ability, the power, but also the responsibility to make choices. I cannot control many things in this world, but on a good day, I can control myself. My responses, how I respond to what happens in the world and what happens around me. David talks about the difference of being reactive or responsive. Reactive is us being controlled by what's happened to us, things external to ourself. Being responsive is flowing from who we are and what's inside of us. 
Cain sees something and experiences something and becomes enraged and takes things into his own hands. But God reminds us in this story that we have the ability. We have the ability to respond to this temptation in a way that is different. Corey Tenboom, who was imprisoned at concentration camps with her sister during World War II, talks about what the experience was like and how horrible, horribly they were treated by the guards as they were inmates at the concentration camp. She tells a story about years later being at a church and giving a presentation when she looks up and down the center aisle comes one of the guards whom guarded she and her sister. Her sister died shortly before the Allied troops liberated the camp. And Corey recognizes the man right away as her captor and her punisher. And as he comes closer and closer, tears begin to well up in her eyes and she shakes and she says, Lord, I cannot do this on my own power. Please help me forgive this man. We have the power to respond. We don't have the power to control what happens to us, but we have the choice with how we deal with it in our lives. When my wife and I went through premarital counseling, our counselor taught us about a process referred to as nonviolent communication, where you respond to something your spouse has done that you do not like and you respond to the pain with more vulnerability, where you share how you feel when these things happen and you ask for something from your spouse and they practice active listening and they offer what they're comfortable with and you move forward from there. And I thought it was a crazy response to someone hurting you is to lean in with vulnerability of your hurt feelings. But as we walked through the process, we began to see that this actually opens us up to more healing and not just more pain. It takes the anger and the hate out of the action of the other and it redefines it as something that we can interact with. The counselor even gave us a little business card that was laminated that had the steps on it so we could pull it out and use it in a time of frustration. And I am surprised to tell you that it actually helps because what it does is it takes the power out of this act of hatred. And we can turn and say, when this happens, I feel this way and what I need from you is something else. We turn to the frustration and the pain and the anger in our world with vulnerability and care. Imagine with me, if you would, if Cain responded differently, like our counselor or like Corey Tim Boom models for us. What if Cain, instead of going in anger and rage and taking things into his own hands, turned to his brother Abel and said, 
Abel, I see the offering you have given, and I see the praise you have received from our God. I'd like to receive that same praise. Could you help me with this and teach me of this? Or better yet, what would have happened if Cain would have gone to God himself and said, God, when I didn't get the praise that Abel did, I felt hurt and left out, and I wanted your praise. I know you love me. Will you help me learn what this sacrifice is about? Too often, we take matters into our own hands. Too often, we miss the mark on what God is actually inviting us to. And friends, I will boil this whole life down as best I can for us. This entire life, all of creation, in my opinion, can be summed up in one thing. God wants to be with us. That's all he wants. He wants us, his children, with him. He wants us to come to him and to love on us. And we have the choice and the ability to do that. One of the things we see with Cain and Abel is that Cain takes these things into his own hands, which is a freedom which God gives us. But in my opinion, he goes the other way. He goes not to his brother for advice or God for care. He goes in anger and in rage. Friends, we have the freedom of response. We have the ability to decide what we do. The choice is ours, and God welcomes us to himself. So I invite you in these times of frustration in these times of anger and jealousy and even rage, to pause for a moment, to go to God in prayer and lay out your concerns, your requests, and your heart to him. And you will find, as Greg reminds us, God might not always be pleased with what we have done, but he is always loving us, always watching over us, and always protecting us. Amen. Amen.